Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Rick McCallum with us from the Hollywood Ghost Hunters. The Conjuring is a 2013 American supernatural horror film directed by James Wan and written by Chad Hayes and Carrie Hayes. It is the inaugural film of the Conjuring Universe franchise. Patrick Wilson, whom I knew when he was six years old because I worked with his father here in St. Louis, and Vera Farminga star as Ed and Lorraine Warren, paranormal investigators that you've heard so much about on this program and authors associated with prominent cases of haunting. Their purportedly real-life reports inspired the Amityville horror story and the film franchise, of course. But listen to this bit of The Conjuring. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's November 1st, 1971. I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Well, there you go. The Warrens come to the assistance of the Perrin family, who experienced increasingly disturbing events in their farmhouse in Rhode Island back in 1971. Our surprise guest with us is one of the daughters of the Perrins, of course. They had five daughters, of course, and Andrea Perrin is with us right now, noted author. She's got five books out, and uh, one of them, of course, includes House of Darkness, House of Light. Andrea, welcome to the program. Hello, George. Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice and speak with you again. Um, we met in person a few years ago, Yep. Uh, you know, prior to the COVID outbreak. Um, at the Starworks Symposium, I was very impressed with uh, your your presence at the symposium. You had so much to contribute. Well, you've had so much to contribute too, Andrea. I mean, with what you went through, are, are your parents still with us, or have they passed on? Yes, no. In fact, um, my parents are uh, 86 and 82. Um, my father just turned 86, August 27th. And my mom is 82, uh, August 24th. And I was with both of them tonight, one virtually and one in person, uh, because we're doing a special live stream uh, investigation of the farmhouse where I grew up this Halloween weekend. So uh, my whole family um, has been together, three of us virtually from Georgia and the others uh, my father and my sister Nancy are with me, and we got some off-the-charts <laughs> evidence at that farm tonight. And they they were really smart. They did a baseline before they would even let us in the house because they figured as soon as we got in the house that it would really activate the place, which it proved to do. So we're into night one of a three a 72-hour uh, virtual live stream uh, for this weekend. It's been very exciting. You were a little teenager when your family moved into the farmhouse. Uh, your mother wanted to get out there into the wild and what, it was like a 200-acre place, wasn't it? Yes, uh, the old Arnold estate. Uh, it was one of the original colonial homes in the colony of Rhode Island. It was completed as it stands now in 1736, 40 years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I had heard, Andrea, that when your parents bought the farmhouse, the person who sold it to them said, and don't forget to keep the lights on at night. Did he really say something like that? 
Yes, he took my father for a walk, and he said, Roger, for the sake of your family, leave the lights on at night. But he was an elderly gentleman, Mr. Earl Kenyon. Um, He loved our family. He wanted us to have it. And I think that it it was his forewarning. Um, We didn't understand. My dad didn't know how to interpret what he said. Um, He figured it was a, a new, even though it's a very old house, it was new to us. And all the bedrooms for the girls were upstairs, and there was only one bathroom downstairs. So the best way to keep your girls from tumbling down those stairs was to leave some lights on. But we soon discovered from people (laughs) that lived in the area that those lights were on in that house 24-7, every light in the house. And I think that's how he kept the activity at bay. Was the representation in the movie The Conjuring pretty close to what was really happening to you and your family? George, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. It's about 95% fiction. Really? Uh, Yes. James Wan read my books, House of Darkness, House of Light. It's a a trilogy, three volumes. Um, It blew his mind. He's like, "We, we cannot include this in the movie, what is the point of making a movie that no one will stay to watch till the end? Um, And so uh, Chad and Carrie Hayes, both very talented screenwriters who also read my books, kind of cherry-picked a little of this and a little of that. And of course, the entire Conjuring series is based on the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, So it wasn't supposed to be based on my books, but um, they were, I, it's, I think, is one of the few times in uh, Hollywood history where the actual story is um, toned down to the point where it's virtually unrecognizable. Uh, they were just, they're fear-based carbon units, too. They're not exempt. And uh, they were just afraid to tell the truth. This is a case where the truth is literally stranger than fiction. So they opted to go with the fiction. I miss Ed and Lorraine Warren. If anybody should be able to come back from the other side, it's those two, don't you think? I would certainly think so, yes. Um, And you know what? They have made their presence known in some very unique ways. So we'll have to have a whole other talk about that someday, George. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll fill a show with just what we've experienced of our family. I truly believe that they... They, tr- they loved us, and they were concerned, and they cared. And Lorraine told me 40 years after the fact that they were in over their heads. They just didn't know it. They had never encountered anything like what they did in our home. What do you think happened at that uh, location a long time ago? I don't know, and I wish that I could answer that. And I don't know that if that anyone could. I think... It's part of the history and mystery of life itself Mm -hmm. that these are not questions that will be answered in this realm, possibly in the next. But it doesn't even matter to me who these spirits were in life. It matters that they still are in afterlife. To me, that is the mystery and the magic and the miracle. Is the farmhouse still there? Oh, yes, I was there today all day well and yesterday and the day before um it's uh, just as beautiful and welcoming and i love it there george it's the only place i've ever felt at home in my life it's permanent where everything else feels temporary 
So the family still owns it. Pardon? The the family still owns it? Uh, No, we sold it in 1980. Ah, okay. Um, My mother felt that she just couldn't live there anymore, that she'd just been through enough. And my mother really did go through hell in that house. I bet. There was one particular spirit. Most of them were benign or benevolent, but there was one in particular that really loathed my mother and um, threatened her and harmed her on several occasions. And she had just, she'd had it. She just wanted to move on and start a new life. And we did. Um, We sold the farm in 1980 to the abutting landowners in Massachusetts. And our family moved to Georgia. But my mother said something very prophetic at the time. And that was, we can leave the farmhouse, but the farmhouse will never leave us. Wow. Wow. And you, as you said, you were there today. Are you, you're not scared? Oh, God, no. No, I never had any altercations with the spirits. Um, uh, What frightened me was seeing what was happening to other members of my family, uh, uh, especially my mother and my sister, Cindy. Um, And Cindy uh, had briefly passed away when she was two months old and had been brought back. And I think that's one of the reasons that Hmm. she was a target in the house because she had already been to the other side and had returned. And I think in some way there was some point of recognition, if that makes any sense. Sure does. They would try to communicate with her and contact her. And sometimes... Well, for instance, the second night that we lived in the house was the first night that she came running into my bedroom and crawled into bed with me. And she said, Annie, I hear voices all around my bed. They're all around my bed. They're all talking together. They're all saying the same thing. The next logical question is, Cindy, what are they saying? And her response was, there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. There are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. And they said it over and over, and it got louder and louder. And she said, I can't believe nobody else can hear this. How can no one else hear this? And when I was writing my books like 30 years later, uh, I was sitting with Cindy making sure that everything I wrote was accurate uh, according to her account. And I just looked at her and I said, honey, how many times did that happen during the 10 years that we lived there? And her eyes welled with tears and she said, thousands. My God. Now, did anybody ever check the walls to see if there were seven dead soldiers there? Actually, um, they're clapboard walls. There is no insulation. So there was no conceivable way that soldiers could have been buried in the house. But the um, the owners now had some ground-penetrating radar uh-huh. put down on the property down near one of the stone walls at the base of the hill, and they came up with, with some very peculiar anomalies down there. And you know, George, it makes perfect sense, because when it you does. think about it, this house, survived the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. It was part of the Underground Railroad because the Arnold family were Quakers and abolitionists. Um, There were the Door Rebellion, the French-Indian War. I mean, there were skirmishes, border skirmishes. 
um, it makes perfect sense that um, there are even holes in the back of the house where a musket could be put through to protect the property at the top of the hill going all the way down into the acreage. So it, it stands to reason that they were buried there, separated from their families, and were seeking solace and some closure. Would your mother ever go back there, even to visit? No, sir. No, no way. Nope. And she said it on the live stream tonight, bless her sweetheart, when we left that house in, um, in June of 1980, she just turned and looked as we were driving away, and she said to me, I will never return to this property, never. And she has been true to her word ever since. You can't blame her. No. Cannot blame her. How about your dad? Would you go back? He loves it. He's there with me. Too. We're in Harrisville. We're in Harrisville. He's Rhode there Island now. Right now. Wow. Yep. That is something else. Would you go through this experience again? Absolutely. Absolutely as difficult as it was. And you know what? Even my mother said, as as hard as it was, she learned everything she needed to know about life and death and the afterlife living in that house and has no fear of death because as far as she is concerned and as far as the rest of us are concerned, we know there is something beyond our mortal existence. And the only reason that we can say that is knowledge, not faith or belief or wishful thinking. Knowledge is because we lived in that house for a decade. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.